welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today we're going to be talking about The Power by Naomi Alderman. This was the book club pick of this book club I've recently joined for November and I have things to say about it. However, you will not be hearing those things Well, I mean, you'll hear them after the plot summary, but I'm not going to be saying them immediately after because I'm recording the plot summary today and then I'm going to record the discussion section after I meet with my book club because I think it would be interesting to compare my thoughts with their thoughts and talk about it all with you at once. But I'm recording this the week before the week of Thanksgiving. I'm going home this weekend. And so I don't have time to record and I'm not bringing my recording stuff back with me. I want to be fresh. So I'm splitting this up. I don't usually do that. We'll see how it goes. If you'll, I mean, I'm telling you so you'll know, but I don't know if you'll be able to notice. Anyways, so this is kind of a dystopian sci-fi novel where all women around the age, well, I guess it starts with girls around the age of somewhere between 13 and 15 start getting the power of electricity. They have this thing called a skein and it has electrical powers and they can shoot electricity from their hands. And it is about what happens when that happens. It is um, it is a time. Was it a good time? Not for the characters in this book, no, it was not. I wanna say right now that there are multiple trigger warnings for this book, specifically and especially sexual assault and rape, as well as just very intense graphic violence To me, it's like when there are videos of police officers killing black people and they put them online, someone like uploads it online and then there's, you know, there's like the thing that's like, this is very graphic. So you can't see it unless you choose to press play. That's what reading this book was like, just constantly watching those videos for, I don't know, almost 400 pages. That's what reading this was like. So I want to issue all those sugar warnings now because these are all things that are relevant plot. Do not read this book if those things are triggering for you. And even if they aren't, I had a difficult time reading this at multiple points. It was just very graphic, but I understand why it was like that. So uh, the last spoiler is that I'm going to be spoiling this entire book. So if you don't want The Power by Naomi Alderman to be spoiled for you, stop here, go read it, and then come back and take a listen. Am I recommending this book? I think it depends on who you are, and if this is something you think you would like, then you should read it. If not, then don't read this. I'm, as of prior to my book club, I definitely liked this book more than The Haunting of House Hill, but it's hard to say you liked a book like this. And if you read it, I think you would understand why, but I have immense respect for this book and for what it kind of did for me. So let's get into the plot summary. This book is framed as a fictionalized version of historical events from like 5,000 years ago. And we have a male author writing to somebody named Naomi, which the author of this book is named Naomi, talking about um, him writing this book. He used to write like histories of like what happened during the calamity or something that they called it. I'm not quite sure. And so he has made a historical version of it, but sort of fictionalized it to be more fun so people are more likely to read it. And it takes place over the course of 10 years, starting with um, when women first get this power, or girls more specifically, and then girls can actually wake up the power in any a woman of any age 
well, not when they're too young, but once they are like older, they can give them the power and awaken in them. But men, for the most part, do not have this power at all. Later on in the book, you meet one character who is a man who does have this power. However, it's very weak and it's very abnormal that he has this gene and is able to have the power of electricity. So it starts off, there's four main characters. The first is Allison, who ends up becoming Mother Eve. She is a teenager at the start of the book and she's a foster child and her foster parents are abusive um, sexually and verbally and also physically, just all around bad people. And so when the power awakens in her, she ends up killing her foster father and running away and joining this convent. She reinvents herself and goes by Eve. And then she later starts kind of a religious revolution, kind of reframing religious history about Mary being the be- the biggest figure in the whole, the Bible being about women and how they- great they are and screw men kind of. And she also has this voice in her head that talks to her and tells her to do things and has never really stirred her wrong before. And so it is the one that leads her to this convent and helps her to figure out like kind of what her journey is going to be. After that, we have Roxy, who is from London. Her family is kind of like a crime syndicate family there. However, she's also her father's like illegitimate daughter. So for most of her life, she was not really part of the family. And then at the beginning of the book, she sees her mom get killed. And that's when her power awakens. And she ends up later joining with her father and brothers, half-brothers, to get ag- go against the um, person who killed her mom. And once she kills him, she has to go away for a while, and she ends up going to America and meeting Eve slash Allison, and they become friends and kind of start their journey together. We also have Tund, who is the only male main character in the novel. He um, is from Nigeria, and it starts out with him, like, trying to... Uh, have a um, sexual encounter with this woman but then the power comes in and she kind of like shocks him and it's like kind of weird and we're not really sure how we feel about it and then Tun ends up becoming like a world famous journalist and he is traveling to all these places where revolutions are going on so he goes to Saudi Arabia he goes to India he goes to Moldova which ends up becoming a very important country in this book And he ends up going all these places and taking videos and interviewing and becoming very famous. Okay, so the last main character is named Margot. She is a politician. She starts out the book as a mayor of a New England city. And kind of you see her go like rubbing, butting heads with the governor. And her daughter ends up awakening the power in her. And her daughter's power, also we find out later, is not normal. uh, She either has a lot of it or none of it. And she has a hard time controlling it. And Margot ends up kind of going on this political journey of she then becomes the governor and she becomes a senator and she starts these camps for girls, kind of like training camps so that they can train their power and she becomes very well respected. So at the course of the book, you have these things going on. You see the world kind of collapsing in a way, but not really. In Moldova, the um, president's wife kills him and becomes president, but then there's a military coup and then the country splits in half. The reason I'm talking about this is a lot of the book takes place there, talking kind of about what's going on, all the characters at a certain point meet there, and it becomes very radicalized, very much so, especially by the end of the book. And then Roxy ends up, she, Ali sees Roxy kind of as a soldier for her, and Roxy ends up finding this drug called um, Sparkle, I don't remember what they call it, but it's purple, 
And when women are on it, it it increases their powers and things are kind of devolving and whatnot. I'm giving you the really brief rundown of this, kind of giving you all their arcs at once. And they all end up meeting in Moldova with less than a year to go because it's that's how the sections are kind of labeled. We don't know exactly what to go means, but something bad obviously happens. And um, they're all at this party and Roxy ends up getting... She's going to meet her brother for something. Just She thinks to sign a deal, but it turns out that he's she's been tricked and they cut her skein out of her body and sew it into her brother. And so she almost dies. Most people whose skeins get taken out die, but she survived. She's like the most powerful person ever. And so she goes into the woods. Moldova, or not Moldova, the new country whose name I've forgotten. I think it starts with a B. They passed this law where men are not allowed to be outside without a chaperone and all these other things, like really crazy laws that are like concerning human rights violations. And Tund decides instead of escaping the country, he still needs to report. And his whole thing was he was going to write this epic book about it. And so he's doing okay for a while, but then he eventually gets caught by these creepy ladies who he sees doing these like horrible rituals. It was really disgusting to read about. And he ends up finding Roxy there and she helps him leave and she, he finds out that people he's been reported dead and that his friend, this woman, has decided to publish his book under her name, Stolen All Her Work. Roxy and him go to a refugee camp. There's this horrible attack by these women. It's so graphic and awful. And then um, they kind of escape and whatever. Allie, or Mother Eve... And like ends up like expelling the voice because it's basically telling her that they need to start over. And then the voice ends up going in Margot's head. And Margot then convinces basically the president or somebody like that that there needs to be a nuclear um, war. So basically what ends up happening is the entire world bombs each other with its nuclear weapons. And basically almost everybody dies. And then the world gets re... Then we get to like present day. And but it would be like 5,000 years from now. The world has like become a new order, and it's basically the inverse of our world where women are in charge. And you see, gender roles have been flipped with kind of like men being seen as the caring ones and women as warriors and strong and things like that. And throughout the book, you're seeing those things start to change about what it means to be an, a man and a woman kind of being flipped and things looking different. And that was the really condensed version. I feel like it doesn't sound condensed, but the condensed version of what happened, it's kind of hard to tell the story since there's so many storylines. That's basically what happened. Also throughout the book, there are either images or text or drawings of things that archaeologists or other people have found from the time. So you're kind of also piecing together what's happened since then through that. And the end of the book is a series of letters or emails back and forth between this fake author, Neil, and then Naomi, who we can assume is probably the actual author of this book. So my dinner is ready. I'm going to go here and you'll hear from me again after this with the discussion section. Okay, and I'm back. Although to you, it's like I never left, but it's been almost a week. I've been to book club and I am now here to tell you guys all about it. Um, let's start off with the fact that nobody came other than me and the moderator. And at first, I was like, mm. ooh, maybe I shouldn't have come. I can't believe I read this book for no one to show up to book club. 
because I've joined book club to make friends. But we ended up having a very nice conversation. Um, I really liked them a lot. So it ended up being really good. Yeah, but I will say apparently the week was changed because of Veterans Day. So that could have been part of it. Hopefully next time, if I go next time, more people will show up. But isn't that kind of sad? The other thing is that I now know what the next four months of books are. So I was not able to request for us to read something not sad and depressing like I wanted to going into book club. I can't remember if I mentioned this before. But last week we read, or last week, last month, we read a horror novel that I was not into. This month we read this like sci-fi dystopian thing that I actually did like this book. I, you know, I've reflected on it more. But man, was it graphic and disturbing and kind of depressing also, you know, with the nuclear warfare and whatnot. So I really wanted to request something more not off, not depressing. But next month we're reading Girl, Woman, Other. Let me look it up. I got to get a library card so I don't have to buy the book this time. Shout out to my mom for really wanting me to do this book club and purchasing the power for me. Um, Mom, I know you're not listening, but if for some reason you are, I love you. Thank you for this book. Uh, Okay, so we're reading Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo next month in December, but also it's coming up. And so I'm going to have to read it like the week I get back from Thanksgiving. I don't I got to figure it out, guys. Anyways, let's move on. Let's get to the discussion section and all the things that I want to talk about. What is nice is that me and the moderator had a very, very good productive conversation yesterday evening. And so I feel as though that conversation has brought a lot of things to mind that I can discuss with all of you. And if you've read this book, this we talked about this a little bit, me and the moderator, who I'm just going to continue to say the moderator because I'm not trying to use any person's real name, uh, but they do use they, them pronouns. So that will be why I use they or them during this podcast, just as an FYI. Okay, let's get going. So we talked about the fact that this was a book that actually invites discussion in a way that other books I've talked about on this podcast maybe don't. You all know I love a good romance novel. I truly love, enjoy, need, and want them. However, they don't always invite the best conversation depending on the book, my opinion, the content, things like that. But this book was one that really made you think. And I hope that when you, if you've read it or just listening to this is making you think. But I wanna start off first by my emotional reaction to this book after, you know, I've just talked for like three minutes about random nonsense. I was so disturbed reading this novel. So disturbed. I feel like I touched on this during the plot summary because, and specifically in the trigger warning, because it was so graphic. I talked about this at book club, but like, I did not expect it to be this graphic. Part of it is that my friend recommended me this book and I came to find out that she never even finished it. And so kind of some shame right there, but I'm going to lend her my copy slash give her this copy because I'm not going to read this again. Not like, we talked about this as well. This is something that I personally could not read again because of how graphic it is. Also, it's going to become an Amazon Prime miniseries. And so if you don't want to read it, you could watch it. But again, I don't think I could watch it because of the intense violence and many 
rape slash sexual assault scenes that occurred. And I imagine they all have to occur in the TV show. And I feel like seeing it would be way worse than just reading about it. So I don't think for my own emotional well-being I can watch it. However, I do hope it performs well. And that's the other reason why I don't think I could reread this book is that I read it, it did what it needed to do for me, and I will remember it forever. And I can have, I think, good enough discussions about it in the future without reading it again, because it was just so disturbing. And both good and bad ways, can something be disturbing in a good way? I don't know if that's a thing. But anyways, um, I going into this didn't expect it to be that graphic. I think part of me is still coming from, while I don't read as much YA, although tune in next week where I talk about a wonderful YA novel, spoiler right there, um, I don't read as much YA and I still read fantasy, but I feel like I've moved sort of away from it recently as I've grown and become more enmeshed in book of the month and just like reading things people have given me, things like that, that I haven't read as much of it, but like coming from that background, right? I was like, oh, it's kind of like all women are getting this superpower of electricity. And I don't know why I didn't think it was going to turn dark, but I didn't. I mean, I kind of did before I picked it up, but like not really, not like how it happened. So I didn't expect it to be super graphic, but it was, it was. And I was so disturbed as I was reading it. At one point I was like, I should probably stop reading this before I go to bed at night, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but I did not. I continued to only read it right before I went to bed. Did I have nightmares? I mean, not specifically about this, although one night I feel like I did have bad dreams after reading this. Um, So yeah, it was disturbing. I don't think anybody could read this and not be kind of um, disturbed by what they read. And that's the entire point of the whole novel. But also, I can't, I have to talk about it. I had to talk about it here. We're going to move on because I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. The next thing I want to talk about is actually how this book was framed. I feel like I must have mentioned it, but if I didn't, this book was framed as though it was a historical fiction account of something that had happened 5,000 years ago, but the 5,000 years ago is is the time of today. Don't know if that makes sense, but basically the book opens by this guy, Neil, sending a letter or an email or something to Naomi, who's also the name of the author of this book, which I feel like must be intentional, saying that, like, he used to write these dry historical texts and nobody read them. So now he's created this historical novel, which he's also called The Power. And um, it then goes through what had happened over the 10-year period before what they called, I don't know, the calamity or something like that. But it has um, throughout in between the different sections, it has either drawings or artifacts or texts or um, things like that that are going on in it. And that was the part I really enjoyed about it. I never read a book that was like a book within a book, but also was like a fictionalized but not fictionalized account of what had happened in the past. I'm not sure if what I'm saying is making sense, so sorry if it does not, but like, yeah. So I really enjoyed, and we talked about this as well, that like, I kept forgetting that this was not just a story that was being told to me, but that this was a novel pitch, 
And that like, but then when I would get to the end of a section and there would be like an artifact draw, like an illustration of an artifact or there would be IM messages that they recovered from years past and things like that, that was really drawing me back into that and I really liked it. But also having it framed like that is really interesting because then the question becomes how much of this is real with the quotation marks, air quotes around that versus this Neil guy's interpretation of what had happened. You know, we have the nuclear warfare, nuclear collapse, we've blown up the world sort of thing happen, and then it starts over. And so my question, there's a lot of things that are going on. Like one of the things I'll talk about next is the voice inside Eve slash Ali's head, because that was really intriguing to me in the part of the book that I really was like, what is going on with this? Um, so like, did he make that up? Was that a thing that was documented? We don't know. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But just like, I really enjoyed how it was framed. And it also makes you think about the novel in a different way. And it ends with a series of emails or letters back and forth between Neil and Naomi and her at the end asking him if he would think about publishing this under a woman's name and things like that. And their conversations at the end, this is something we talked about as well at Book Club, is that um, they thought that the book ended really abruptly and I kind of agree with that and that you kind of learn that okay there's probably going to some nuclear warfare is going on just from Roxy's chapter right at the end but also it's kind of unclear what happens after that and then all of a sudden it's like okay we're back in the present but I want to know what happened after that how many people died how like did we launch ourselves back into like the stone age did we not have any technology did we have to recreate everything again or did we come out of the bunkers and it was kind of a dystopian like post-apocalyptic scene i don't know i'm left to imagine that for myself and i kind of have to think that we went back to the stone age and reinvented everything because that was kind of what the voice was hinting at in ali's head and when we emerge, we see that the gender roles have completely switched, not just as we saw in those first 10 years in the bulk of the majority of the book, which is another thing I'll talk about later on. So the framing was very interesting. And we thought that the emails slash letters at the end back and forth kind of like put the story, like kind of complete it in a way that the actual story doesn't. And that, okay, now we're seeing a little bit more about what society looks like today, although today would be 5,000 years from today because the novel's set today. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but that's what happens when you read some sci-fi dystopian stuff. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but um, yeah. So let's move on to talking about the voice in Ellie's head. Who slash what was that voice? Because when I first started reading it, it was like, okay, Maybe it's just Allie either has like split personality disorder or she's just like made up an imaginary voice friend in her head because her life really sucked prior to getting the power and things like that. But there's no way that's true because this is something that the moderator brought up that um, when Allie runs away and she finds the convent, the voice is in her head telling her just a little bit further around this bend, go this way. And it seems really unlikely and not probable that she just got lucky and like pretending to say that to herself so there's truly some sort of voice in her head so the question is who or what is it i'm not sure here are some thoughts and options and the other thing that's interesting about the voice 
is that it says that this is something I forgot, but the moderator brought up in our discussion is that the voice says that it has previously gone to other people and they were not receptive, but Allie is receptive. So we know that, okay, it's been in other people's heads. And we know at the end when Allie banishes it, it goes into Margot's head. So it clearly can like, it's not just a figment of her imagination. But then there's questions. First of all, could it be another person that is able to broadcast their thoughts into somebody else's head? Which seems also unlikely because it's set today and I feel like we don't have that technology today. So I, I don't think it's another person. So that leads us down one of two roads. Road number one, which was the road I was kind of thinking about, but also doesn't make sense to me at the end of the book. I'm like, I don't know. Is this God, either capital G or some sort of God or spiritual being, some sort of higher power in general? Which is, to me, is the most maybe plausible one. But Allie asked the voice, like, are you God? It's like, not really, but like, sure. So that doesn't seem to me that the voice is God. And the other thing along that line is that the voice talks very colloquially. He uses the slang of the day, things like that. It does not talk like it's thousands of years old. It's not use thee, thou, this, things like that, you know? And so that makes it feel less like it's a god. Although, you know, if gods are around forever, theoretically, you think that their speech patterns could adapt and change. But I don't know. And then the moderator brought up this idea that could the voice be an alien? And we as people, the aliens are just kind of like, playing around like trying to make things happen as if we're all in a sims game hmm that one really blew me away because it is kind of a sci-fi so aliens typically exist in sci-fi so like it's not that far out there but the other thing with that is that then there's no there's no talk about aliens at all so it seems unlikely that it was an alien and then this brings me back to the neil how much of this is fictionalized aspect obviously this whole book is fiction but it's written as if it's a historical account. And so did Neil just make up the voice in Allie's head to move the plot forward? Because moderator said that they thought that any time that the voice was the one thing in the book that did not fit, that always seemed out of place for them, and it only seemed to be there to advance the plot. So that is a great argument that Neil just created this voice, made it up, put it in Allie slash Eve's head, and used it as a way to explain like how the plot was moving forward things like that so that's another explanation i'm not i feel like where i fall is that it's some sort of like higher power that's been around for thousands of years but also i'm no i don't really buy that so let me know what you guys think about it do you have some sort of opinion on what you think the voice is and also that it then went to margo's head hmm interesting but let me know what you guys think about that moving on the one other, there's two, uh, three, uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about, not sure how much more of this I'll get to just based on time, is we ended our book club with kind of this question of, did I think this could happen in real life? Oh, wait, there's another thing I for sure need to talk about. So we'll talk about this and then talk about that other thing and then probably call it a day. No, I kind of want to talk about Tund also. Okay, maybe three things. So do I think this can happen in real life? I would love to say no, because in my heart, I truly believe that people are good. And I would love to think that if all teenage girls and then women and then like 
girls from then on had the power that we would not use it for evil we would not use it to like destroy and to like abuse and like violence and things like that however i did say i thought it was probable that countries like saudi arabia would probably still have those uprisings that are talked about in this book because after being oppressed and i'm not really sure what the law is currently but at some point women in saudi arabia couldn't even drive a car and so like I feel like at some point it's like, okay, I finally, all of us have this power. We are rising up and saying, don't treat us this way anymore. But the question is, how far would women take it? I would love to believe and I want to believe and I do believe maybe that it wouldn't get to this point of nuclear warfare at the end of the book. But also, I don't know. I can only hope and pray that if this ever did happen, we would not be like this. And that leads me into point two of three maybe four, I don't know, that the transition of gender roles and norms was so seamless. Modern thought it was a bit heavy-handed, and sure, maybe it was, but I found it so seamless. I don't know why, but like we get to the end and you see that gender roles have completely switched and they're talking about like men as nurturing and women as warriors and like things like that. And you're also talking about like power and weak and things like that and whatever. And I just found the transition between the two gendered norms and stereotypes to be extremely seamless. Like, you're really just reading it and you're like, yeah, okay, women have power now, whatever. But then you get to the end, especially like the end end when you have Neil and Naomi corresponding back and forth. And you see it's just absolutely the opposite of what's going on now. And so it's very interesting. And kind of going back to the other point is... I listened to this podcast called Seen on Radio and season three was called Men and it was about like men but also women and gender and things like that and um, there was this one uh, scholar that they had on who was saying that women were better than men and it was this man and he was saying because they don't have a tendency toward violence. It was one of the reasons, right? And so if that's true that women in general don't have a tendency toward violence, if this did happen, then maybe this wouldn't be how it goes. Interesting thought. Also, it was just very seamless. I'm running out of time, so I can't really give it all of the spotlight it deserves, the concentration development. I don't know. I can't really concentrate on it too much, but it was very seamless, and it really made me think about generals in general and what it takes to change them and Should they be changed in this way? And things like that. And that kind of also rolls into Tun's role in the book. So Tun was the journalist who I haven't really mentioned. I've really talked about this book in broad strokes mostly. And I think that's the way you're supposed to think about it. And so at the beginning of the book, I did not care for Tun. I like, I didn't skim over his chapters, but every time they came up, I was like, ugh, gotta read from Tun's perspective again. And part of that, so originally I thought his purpose was to um, show us what was going on around the world. But by the end, his purpose was to show like how greatly the mindset of men has changed and how they've become victims and just show us like the true abuse and horrors that was going on through the book or not through the book, but like in the world. And so like he ended up becoming, I realized at the end, like, okay, we did need his his perspective. However, I did think that the romance between him and Roxy at the end kind of came out of left field. Um, But that's besides the point irrelevant. We'd also talked briefly about if anybody in the book was good or bad. 
And we kind of came to the conclusion that everybody in this book's, not everybody, but like kind of morally gray. Like Roxy's never, not compared to Eve slash Allie and Margot, Roxy's not under the impression that she's good in a way that makes me think she's the best character in the book, although she is pushing drugs. So that's not good, you know? But Allie slash Eve becomes a cult leader very confusing. She also does kind of say, yeah, let's blow up the world. Margot definitely says that. And this book really ends up being about the corrupting nature of power. Basically, the argument here, the thematic message is that power corrupts and it doesn't matter what gender you are. If you have power, you will be corrupted is basically the message I got from this book, which is very depressing. Um, but is it true? Maybe it might be true. There are a lot of powerful people that are bad people in the world. That's not to say all bad, pa all powerful people are bad people, but a lot of them can be. And so this really just seemed like a, oh, I don't know, 350 to 400 page book about how power is bad and what it can do. And if we swapped who had power, would this be how it turns out? I'm not sure. And the last thing we talked about is the, um, that one thing kind of wanted more of was the exploration of people who don't fit in the gender binary. We do have a little bit with, I think Ryan is Jocelyn's boyfriend's name, who he had a skein, but he was a man. So then uh, the moderator said, I kind of thought at one point that it was going to be explored that maybe either him or Jocelyn was transitioning one way or the other. So I guess there's the question of people who are either trans or non-binary, how do they fit into this? Does the body with the skein understand? The, I don't know, but that's not really explored ever. So that's just something to think about. And with that, I think I'm going to call it a day. I'm sorry that this was extremely depressing, but also it was thought provoking. And so now two weeks post finish, no, a week post finishing it and post doing this, I feel like, okay, I am glad I read this in a way that when I was reading it, I wasn't sure if I would be because it did really make me think. However, I said this at book club and I'm gonna say it here. I don't know if I recommend this to people. I think if you can handle the amount of graphicness in it and you wanna read something about power and gender and things like that, then this is a good book. But in general, I don't think I would go around recommending it to people unless I knew them very well, just because of the sheer amount of triggering content that was in it that made it difficult to read. So next week, don't worry, I'm going to read something happy, or I've already read it. I will be talking about Tell Me Three Things by Julie Buxom. I don't know. I'll learn how to say her name before I record this episode after I eat dinner tonight. I'm going home for Thanksgiving tomorrow, so I got to get all this. I'm not taking my microphone with me, so I got to get it all done before I leave, before I forget everything. So I'll be talking about that. It is a YA novel about a high school junior who moves to L.A., after her dad marries another woman, after her mom's died, blah, 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 and starts having a correspondence with an anonymous man, guy, boy from school, and her life and dealing with all that. I've read it multiple times before. It's super fun. And I ended up reading it because I was trying to read this other book, but it was too depressing. And I was like, I need something light. So next week, I promise will be light. No more depressing stuff for now. Maybe the week after won't be, but that's going to be next week. So make sure that you uh, 
subscribe, rate, and review my podcast. That I would really much appreciate that. Also, go to my Instagram account and follow it at I read a book once blog. You can follow, like some things, or DM me your thoughts, opinions, and feelings about this book, my podcast, this episode, like things like that. Or you could send me an email at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. And with that, my name is Emma. This was I read a book once, and I'll catch you guys next time.